0: or by contacting me directly, Damon, at ExitYourWay.com. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, everyone. Welcome once again to the Faces of Business. I am your host, Damon Pastalka, and I am excited today for several reasons because I've got Brian Davidson here from Matchnode, and we're going to be talking about lead generation with social media and just generally driving business with social media. So Brian, thanks for being here today.
1: Delighted to be here, Damon.
0: Well, Brian, we, we, we were talking a bit before and that's why we were a minute late getting going. I can't not bring this up. We're talking about motorcycles. You're related to the founders of the Harley Davidson. And you said you have a Harley-Davidson. So is there some place that you're riding to this summer that you've already planned out?
1: Yeah, well, it's the uh, big reunion uh, in Milwaukee this summer. So absolutely, I'm planning on going up for the Foo Fighters concert. Uh, Very good. Riding up with people along the way. Uh, So I'm pretty
0: excited for it. It's been on my calendar for over a year. (laughs) Oh, awesome. Awesome. Good stuff. Well, Brian, we're here today to talk with you about social media marketing and some of the stuff you've done. I mean, you have got a tremendous list of customers. I mean, behind you, I don't know if people know basketball, the team that would be sporting those jerseys, the Chicago Bulls. You've got uh, the, the new balance, you've got lending tree, just get on your match Node website and it's the who's who of some of the biggest brands and your background. Again, I'm going to let you speak about it in a minute, but you've really done some, some incredible things with these major brands, um, through social media. And well, it,
1: it's been, it's been a blast. You know, we've helped small companies grow big uh, we've helped small companies just stay small and really, really profitable. We've yeah. helped large global brands like the Bulls advance uh, their digital skills because, of course, a lot of the brands we work with are traditional brick and mortar brands that mm-hmm. are transitioning to digital. So we've worked yeah. with all different types of teams in different ways, but it's awesome to just have you know an impact on those brands over time.
0: Yeah, I was noticing that too. And I, I started out talking about the big ones. But when you look on your website, I mean, you've helped restaurants, you've helped a lot of other small businesses. And we'll talk about some of those too, because it really is something that I think just about any size business can can leverage if they're doing it right.
1: You know, we helped a, a daily newsletter, 1440 Daily News. Uh, they were at, subscriber count was in the hundreds. We helped them to get over a million in daily subscribers, and uh, they're so big now that they're actually starting to pop up in newsletters that I subscribe to. Uh, so
0: it's pretty oh, funny. My. to see They
1: go almost full circle. I'm like, wow, they you know, they're advertising back at
0: me. Yeah. Oh wow, that's incredible. Well, Brian, let's let's talk about your background because you've sure. got an interesting background in marketing, and and talk about how you kind of got into MatchNode, and you know what really really brought things about. Sure, I can uh, go long version or short
1: version. I'll try to give you the medium version. There we go. So after college, I uh, went out to Colorado and I was a ski bum. And uh, didn't do too much in the words of uh, career development at that point in time in life. But a lot of development happened on the web because it was 2004 to 2006. And Mm -hmm. this is when we transition from Web 1.0 to Web 2.0. And Web 1.0 didn't interest me at all. I didn't even own a computer in college. I didn't get a cell phone till my fifth year in school. That tells you the kind of student I was. But during this transition, I absolutely fell in love with it. I remember my favorite writer quitting ESPN and starting a blog. I'm like, what's a blog? I remember signing up for MySpace for the first time and coding my background, even though I don't know how to code. How do I put an MP3 player in my profile? This is so cool. I remember the first time I could join Facebook, and which was kind of interesting. Uh, For a graduation gift, my dad gave me a lifetime membership to the Alumni Association, which really didn't give you all that much, but I got an indiana.alumni.edu address. So Facebook thought I was a student and I could join about a year and a half before my friends. So all these things were happening at once and it got me just very, very excited. The meantime, I was tired of being a ski bum, And I got a job. I moved back to Chicago, moved into my fraternity brother's couch. And I'm like, okay, I need to find a job. And I am interviewing at large marketing agencies, hoping to get in. They didn't love Ski Bum at the top of my resume. (laughs) I ended up working for a business that was pretty small at the time that was helping athletes find sports scholarships. I'm like, well, that's pretty interesting. These guys seem like Mm -hmm. they're entrepreneurial and they're going somewhere. But I literally got a job answering the phone. And a little bit into the tenure, I had the guts to walk up to the CEO founder, and say, I think we need a social media department. And it took some convincing and a little bit of luck. I bet mm-hmm. some on the way, made some intros, but eventually they said, okay, kid, you got the job. And I really it took time him to do it, but I told them I wanted to become the director of social media. And they're like, sure, that's totally fine. Well, I was probably one of the first one of those in the country. Mm-hmm. I really helped that business grow uh, specifically online through Google ads and the first Facebook ads and redoing our landing pages and doing some great work in SEO. And we drove hundreds of thousands of leads really for that business to the point where uh, it was, when I was left, I was, you know, in the millions probably when I started there, left around 36 million in revenue. After I left, they were acquired by private equity. Uh, After that, private equity sold them to Endeavor. And never went public. They actually got merged with IMG. They just got spun out in a big deal that was in the news last week. That wow. Was at the beginning. So I certainly can't take credit for all the things that happened along the way, but I'm really grateful that I was able to play a part. Yeah. So during that whole career process, I actually ended up meeting my co founder, uh, Chris, who I actually ended up hiring as a consultant uh, to do some, some work for us on the side. And after I exited that business, I went to uh, another agency, actually, that was down in Tampa, that was working on some social media tech. They were one of the first officially licensed Facebook app makers for apps that ran on Facebook.
0: Mm-hmm. The
1: school Farm Bill app that ran on Facebook. Yeah, things around giveaways. Gave away a gajillion blue onions to gain likes. The likes were seen as the most important thing in the world. Yeah. And they were an innovative company to work for at the time, uh, and then I ended up exiting that business and not really knowing where I was going to go next. And I ended up uh, meeting up again with my friend, my friend Chris, it was before the first Pearl Jam show at Wrigley, and we we're both talking about what we we're doing, and we're grabbing a beer, and like you know, maybe we should start an agency. And we got together at a coffee shop on Monday and started an agency. So that was about ten years ago this summer, and it's been a, it's been a wild ride, but it's been a great ride
0: that's awesome that's awesome there's so much i've got to uncover in this so let's go back to your ski bum days sure favorite place to ski in colorado Vail, colorado that was where i lived vale very good
1: can't beat the yeah. size i initially thought i was going to go to steamboat i went there on spring break my senior year of college i was bored of it by the fifth day i'm like yep, i need to be somewhere bigger
0: yep yep yeah, I, I would agree. I've been there a couple times and I, I really enjoy that. So the f- director of social media, what year was
1: that? Probably Started just- the business in 06, probably been 07. Wow. I remember I remember getting invited out to a conference in Boston, and at the time I think I had 10 vacation days, and I told my boss. I'll pay for the trip. I didn't think they'd be in for me paying yeah. for me to go out there to speak, but could I please not use up my vacation days? And like, go ahead. And there were some heavy hitters at this conference, there were some old Sun Microsystem guys. And I'm like, oh my god, yeah. I'm gonna get in front of these people and just sound like a complete idiot. I was thinking of the old Seinfeld episode when George is reading the risk management uh thing and the Oval Team joke. If you're a Seinfeld yes. fan, and Just terrified and I got up there and the first part was pretty shaky and the second part really broke through and a lot of just older people who I just immediately deemed as authorities in the room came over and really validated what I was doing and it was was a
0: big step in my career. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome to hear that. And the funny
1: part was, you know, how they found me is they just did a LinkedIn search for social media jobs and there weren't that many of us.
0: Oh my goodness. That is something. That is something, and then you said you worked at the 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 fir, one of the first Facebook app makers where they made Farmville. I mean that that they didn't like, make
1: Farmville, but I'm, I'm equating it to Farmville. They made oh, that type for, of that type yeah, that of, type app. of des- okay. desktop app that was so popular for yeah because a two year face- run before Facebook really went mobile.
0: Yeah. It's it's is it's crazy how some of those apps really took off on Facebook early in the day because there just weren't anything like it.
1: Like I mentioned, they worked uh, with Outback Steakhouse and they gave away Bloomin' Onions and receivership for a like. And at the time, that was kind of a hard app to build. So they had to yeah. build it on Microsoft Azure. And for quite some time, actually, one of Microsoft's most downloaded case studies was how they built the cloud cloud infrastructure to give away blue and onions. So we always made the joke in sales meetings that we gave away a billion calories for, a, you know, a couple
0: hundred million likes. Oh, wow. Well, wow, that's cool as heck. And 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 your history there. So as we're moving forward and and you um, met back up with your your current partner Chris, is that mm-hmm. right? Um what what really got you guys to go, "Hey, let's start a company and let's do this." What was the
1: couple things. Seed. One, one. we were both entrepreneurs. Um, I was yeah. already working on a, a part-time gig on the side. Uh, I started a business that was tr- trying to help music students find scholarships. So it was really similar to the first business that I scaled. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of doing that part-time. Uh, our, our lead investor was actually the adopted son of Jackie Gleason, which is kind of a funny story. The younger visit- <laughs> or younger viewers or listeners will definitely not know who that is, but yeah, the other ones will and so I was kind of doing it on the side. I was basically making enough money to pay my rent and putting the rest on my credit card. Yeah. And Chris had a couple freelance clients like, maybe we should just put these together. And we're off and running. And the agency I just come from down in Tampa, they made a lot of great tech, but they weren't making money. And yeah. Chris had just come from a video game business that had a lot of great tech and a lot of great partnerships with large businesses, but they never made money. And like, we've got these real businesses that are paying us now, let's put our skills together and just start making money now rather than try to build the next great thing in tech. Let's do what we're really good at and put it to work.
0: Okay. Putting it to work. Yeah. So in the early days, what were you guys doing at Matchnode?
1: Well, you know, you took the bad clients to get the okay clients, to get the good clients, to get the great clients. So, yeah. we were getting work off of Upwork. We were really mining our networks. Uh, we had mm-hmm. an initial business that was funded on Kickstarter. Uh, that was actually at the time one mm-hmm. of the larger Kickstarter uh, fundraises ever at the time that was trying to do encryption on a thumb drive with your thumb to unlock uh, apps oh, on your wow. computer. Yeah. Uh, tech never really worked. Yeah. So, they went out of business pretty quick. And we, you know, we hit mm-hmm. on a couple of those. Yeah. We'd talk to a Kickstarter people or we'd mine our network. Uh, was, yeah, but it was the two so, of us, right? So we yeah. just humming through things, learning things on the fly. Uh, and then finally starting to scale.
0: First big break.
1: The biggest break was getting lending tree because yeah. that would taught us what we were best at. So okay. at the time that we got lending tree, which is through one of Chris's friends, who's an artist, he did some work for them. He linked us up with one of their creative teams the time their internal team on paid social uh, was getting shuffled up and they brought us in as a stopgap and we did so well with them that we're still working with them today uh awesome. and in that process of working with them they were the first client that we worked with that had a slack channel so we we're constantly buzzing back and forth oh yeah uh, they were the first client where we spent very large dollars on paid social and it really gave us the confidence that not just that we were good at this but we could we we're as good as this as anyone And we felt like we could sell it as well as anyone. And at that time we positioned our agency as strategy first. Well, that's great, but that's what uh, everybody, uh, I'm not sure language on this podcast, so everybody and says. Yeah. (laughs) And we looked at the other agencies in Chicago, because we really tried to own that Chicago market in the early days. Yeah. And we saw that they all grew up building websites, building large SEO programs, or run Google PPC ads. So we yep. started to position the agency as paid social first. So the combination of repositioning the agency and that validation of knowing that we were very good at things with lending tree, I'd say that was our first really big break.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause when you get that first, like you said, you get to you have the money put what you think is going to work in action. And then when you see it working with larger sums of money, it really gives you the confidence that you've hit on something. Yeah, that is That This special. works that
1: this platform works.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So as you're, as you're doing this, I mean, if, if people are listening and you, you should go to the match node website because you guys have some awesome testimonials on there. And like I said, that, that you restaurants, I'm looking at a B2C now, which is, Uh, look human. And, you know, just some of these things where you guys have really done use social media and then the other combination of things with it, obviously, to really Mm -hmm. drive growth in these businesses. So um, what are, what is the most interesting client that posed a challenge for you that went, wow, I don't know, but we're going to see. That's a really good question.
1: That's a really good question. I'll go back to the first example. I said of 1440 news because they're an yeah. absolute startup at the time that was probably yeah. the most wildly successful uh, of all the stories that we talked to. And the key for them was getting a lead for under $2. And could we do that consistently? Could that, that lead be a quality lead that continued to open their daily newsletter at the same rate as their current subscribers? And could that really scale? And we faced a lot of challenges along the way, you know, Big run-ups in Facebook CPM, big changes in what type of creative worked, big changes in what type of targeting worked. We went through the Apple iOS 14.5 update with them and all of the changes that happened there. A lot of experimentation around new products that Facebook was launching with uh, conversion leads, uh, conversions API, all these changes that were happening in the marketplace, Uh, just the changes in how video was really favored, then still images became really favored and how we were segmenting by age. All those things really changed over the course of our relationship. And it was really interesting to see how it came and, and, you know, spoiler alert, they are actually no longer a client of ours, but it's amazing to see that growth trajectory that we put them on. They've actually doubled it, which is really, really cool and uh, makes me really proud. Yeah,
0: no doubt. It's super cool because you bring up so many, the way that social media has changed, not only from the user's perspective is what's popular, what's not popular and what's available Mm -hmm. to the tech behind it. The tech that you guys have to keep up with to understand a, how the customers, your customers are interfacing with it, with their websites or whatever processes they're doing but how you're managing the whole thing too. It had to be just crazy leaps and bounds in the last 10 years of you guys doing this. Yeah, 10 years, but really the last
1: three have been the most crazy with the Apple 14.5 update and all the privacy changes. It, It really made Facebook conversions API such a vital part of any Facebook program. And it made it harder to do a lot of things, but it also enabled new things, which is so cool. Previously, you had had offline feeds, but you couldn't really optimize towards an offline feed. This unlocked so many different ways to target and optimize deeper in your funnel. Mm -hmm. Uh, So a practical example is, is we work with a business called Nonprofit Megaphone. And what they do is they help nonprofits scale on their Google Ads grant, as well as using paid social. And they run a program where... Uh, nonprofits advertise different challenges. So, walk 10 miles a day for every day in May. And you then create a fundraiser and send that out to your friends that I'm committing myself to do this as a challenge. Will you guys commit if I do this that you'll be donating back to this, which is going to affect this nonprofit?
0: Mm-hmm. Using
1: Facebook Conversions API, we're actually now able to remarket to the people that end up donating to those fundraisers. And it's a so we're using conversions API to unlock a signal that previously wasn't available to them with just a pure web event and things like that, where you can get really creative and really drive an extra return on ad spend for a business.
0: Wow. Wow. So the, the last three years, you know, I remember talking with somebody, like you said, a few years ago when this was all coming out, it's interesting. Now looking then people were terrified. Mm-hmm. And and now you're saying it's actually created new opportunities. You know, changes like that with everything, right? We could go crazy about Chat
1: GPT taking over the world and launching nukes at us, or we could yeah. figure out how to write better ad copy and automate 25 things and help our daily lives and make it a lot easier. Yeah. And I think you can look at any change as positive or negative. I think overall, probably the privacy update as far as looking at just how ad performance happened it's probably a little down, but at the same time, we're able to do new things uh, because mm-hmm. it, it forced us to think outside the box in a different way.
0: Yeah, oh, very cool. So as you're looking at social media, you know, small, mid-sized brands, large brands, what are some of the emerging opportunities that you see or, or changes that you think are opening up that people might want to think about?
1: So the first two I'm going to talk about, but I just touched on is conversions API and conversion leads on Facebook. It's amazing to me how many people are still not utilizing the best demand generation, cha- generation platform in the best possible way. So getting the technical pieces and the background set up are so important to maximize that platform because it, it still is the most important. On the emerging platform side, we're really starting to see a growth in TikTok for some of our clients. And that's pretty fun. Of course, that's creating challenges in terms of now we need a a better creative team to create a different type of creative. Uh, So, Mm -hmm. But that's also fun uh, to do things a a little bit outside the box. I'm very hopeful that Elon is going to turn a turnaround at Twitter and Twitter ads. Uh, Those ads have been... Again, pretty garbage for the last five, 10 years. It's been really, yeah. really hard to drive a return on ad spend. We started to see an uptick in return on ad spend towards the end of this NBA season and NHL season uh, with our clients. So I'm very hopeful that that platform is going to turn around. Uh, and we're using Pinterest in select cases uh, to drive leads. And uh, you know, it's slowly changing. And, and the platforms in which you're able to run someone through to drive a lead are starting to change. Uh, we use an innovative e-commerce platform for CPG brands called Pear, where someone is able to click to a landing page and find an online store near them that carries a particular product. Uh, we hmm. worked with uh, a specific sausage brand that was carried uh, in local stores. So we we're able to link them up and they're able to pull user data back through. Uh, we also worked with a chocolate company uh, here locally that does the same type of thing. So there's all sorts cool. of new tech that seems to be emerging and jumping on that tech quickly, I think has always been where you find the outsized wins.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you talk about CPG. We, we work with a lot of manufacturing e-commerce uh, clients and that, what well, you just talked about, some of our food clients, that would be very interesting to them with some of these regional brands or something mm-hmm. like that potentially where you, you know, um, was talking Especially about because your
1: mix of where things are available changes, right?
0: Yes, yes, exactly. Because I was thinking of the small stores that a lot of them are in, or they're not in all the big brands, but they're yep. in some regions they are and the other. It's really interesting to be able to match that up with, with uh, users. Awesome. I didn't know. I didn't didn't need to diverge off of that too much, but that's it, it's cool and it's really interesting too to to hear how your social is interacting across platforms and and some of the the technical things you guys are, are really have at. to think right social is
1: mobile first the amount of landing pages i still see that are designed for desktop just boggles my mind if you want to be successful on social media you need to drive them to a mobile first experience that converts and increasingly there's tech ability to help with that conversion whether that be a chatbot some sort of intelligent conversion that understands your location. There's so many different options available, but it has to be mobile first. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Great point. Yeah. Cause it, it, if it's not the, you're not making it past it. Yeah. Like it past
1: it. come to this cool page and add 25 different options in here and you'll see your thing and use this filter and that filter and like, that's way too hard. Yeah. Tell them how to convert.
0: Yeah. Yeah, good point. I had someone, I had someone I was talking to the other day that said, "Hey, look at, look at, we built this new form on our website." I said, "Great." It's got, it literally had like thirty different things that people had to fill out. I said, "Are, are you kidding me? Nobody's filling that out. You might get one in the one in your wow. lifetime."
1: I I learned that in my first job, and that the the sales guys want twenty five different fields, and they insist they need them all to sell at a high level. And then you take one away and don't tell them and magically that conversion rate holds.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. So as as you're looking at this now, we're talking about there's some some places that are that are some platforms that are rising and new opportunities. What are some of the platforms where you go, "Man, it's just really getting tough. It's not what we want to want to do anymore or it's much harder than it was."
1: probably Facebook. If you don't advance, if you don't try the new things, if yeah. you don't get better at it, you're going to fall behind. It's the yeah. biggest opportunity. And it's probably the biggest risk. We realized about three years ago, we didn't have a developer on our team. We realized these new signals were going to become really, really powerful. Yeah. At the time, we were the best at doing great targeting. We realized targeting was becoming a lot easier. You just use the algorithm to target. But what was really more important to the algorithm ever before was creative. At the time, we were different using different contractors for our creative. We're like, mm-hmm. whoa, whoa, whoa! We need to have great tech and great creative in house so that we can keep iterating at a quick pace and harness that algorithm. And the brands that aren't doing both of those things at the same time are going to be wasting ad dollars.
0: Yeah, yeah, because it is. It's, I mean. I don't know when it's been a while now since I looked at the user base. But if you look at the user base of Facebook, everybody else is like we jumped off of Everest onto you know, look at the mountain outside of your house. If you got one. It's by far the best and it's by far the best for driving
1: demand. I I think that probably the other big opportunistic uh, rising platform that I I failed to mention earlier is YouTube. Uh, Google's really invested a lot into making YouTube a conversion channel. And that's great to see because, of course, we're spending so many dollars on our Google PPC ads. They're rolling out new products uh, like Performance Max that are a little hard for advertisers to tell true ROI because you're mm-hmm. mixing in a lot of different platforms at once and a lot of different keywords at once. There isn't a lot of granularity there. Yeah. Uh, but YouTube is a standalone product, can learn from all the other campaigns that you're running on on Google and your Google Analytics and your GA4 transition. Uh so that, I think it's a real big opportunity for people to grow their their ad platforms and their advertising mix.
0: Yeah, yeah, very cool. Very cool. So now you guys and, and I just want to go back to your website a little bit. I mean when you mm-hmm. look at the, look at you guys are getting some of your return on ad spend is just nuts. I mean you're getting 10x, you're getting a lot of three to 6x. I mean this is this is significant. the significant returns for people that haven't messed with this before. what do you think someone going into this now obviously your returns are not normal for the industry kind of thing. What should someone be looking at if they're considering talking to someone about lead generation using social media? Because, you know, everybody will say they can do it, but very few do it.
1: A lot of things to consider there. One, what's your budget? If you're going to do this on a shoestring budget, chances of failure are a lot higher.
0: Yeah. Yeah
1: taking budget a step further, I get the question all the time, how much should I be spending on ads and how much should I be spending on marketing? And I have two answers. One, unlimited, because we're pushing this as far as we can, as profitably as we can. And as long as your cash flow supports profitable growth, we want to keep fueling that ad machine. I, I learned that nice. at my first job. We, we knew how to close leads. We wanted as many leads as possible. But the second answer is the scary answer. And it's whatever you're afraid you're okay with losing because this could work and this could not work. And I recommend picking an amount that you're okay with testing on. And so when we start with a client, we start with a 90-day sprint and that's the goal yeah. of their commitment. We say at the end of 90 days, you're going to understand if this works or doesn't work. The ad spend's always at their discretion, but 99 times out of 100, I usually say, let's start with at least $100 a day that's going to give us enough spend to really learn. If these are platforms that are work for you, we can run multiple tests. We can learn if something isn't going to work, fail quickly and move on to something else. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: there's a lot to consider there, but the biggest thing is deciding if you're really going to jump in and make it go at these platforms.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So are there, Industries, and, and this is kind of a loaded question. So, mm-hmm. a lot of people listen to us might might not have a product brand. They might be an industrial B two B kind of manufacturer or something like that, or sell something that's not going to sell on the open market, uh, like a lot of products. What what do you think would be um, there? Would a company like that want to look at social in the same way for lead generation? Do you think? Yes and no.
1: So It's a nuanced question. One, how big is their target market? If they can sell to everybody, it's a pretty large customer base, then yeah, direct-to-consumer conversion ads probably would work well. Uh, We worked with the B2B business during COVID that pivoted and was selling PPE products, basically big Mm -hmm. shields that you would put up in all the businesses. Well, every business in America all of a sudden became a customer. And for a few months, our ads absolutely crushed it. Of course, that market changed and that basically shifted and our our program with them shut down. But there's large B2B businesses out there uh, that can advertise successfully. So with LendingTree, we have advertised their business loans product. So it's Uh a loan to a business uh, with another bank that we work with in Chicago, uh, Byline Bank. Uh, We're advertising directly to business owners for specific things. So there are things with a large enough addressable market conversion ads on social absolutely makes sense. Having said that, traditionally, we worked mostly with B2C brands because Mm -hmm. again, a larger addressable market makes it for a more successful probability of a successful campaign. Yeah. What more often happens for B2B brands is they're slowly building a following and they're slowly building social proof of putting content out there. Right, yeah. they're putting content out here like like this podcast, and they're publishing it on LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram stories. And actually, that's something we actually just started doing in 2023. Was starting to work with B two B businesses on that organic social side to slowly build a following and slowly build up that that proof that you're really mm-hmm. really good in your industry, uh, expert. That takes a lot longer to do, but the nice piece is that you can support it with far fewer ad dollars. You can take Mm. a couple hundred dollars and find a really niche market and target it on LinkedIn. Ideally, you build up a custom audience so you can target it really specifically on LinkedIn. We just started working with uh, a SaaS company that is targeting independent insurance agents. So again, Mm -hmm. B2B, we're selling a SaaS product to uh, another business and we've got a great LinkedIn list. That we're targeting right now, so yeah. it's it's harder to do. Don't get me wrong; I'm not going to say it's easy, but it can be done.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. It's great to hear. And 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 two, you—if people weren't listening here, you—you you switched a couple of things because you were talking about building that following, building that community, building building. And, and then he also talked about actually, you know, selling products and services or, or introducing those to people, which I think both of them are important. And, and some people, just that community building or building that following by developing in the organic is, is a, a, a thing that they're it's getting important. started. It's important. Yeah, it's so a
1: lot of people, they don't want, they don't want their, they're selling a, a large ticket item and they don't want yeah. someone to click through to their LinkedIn page and see crickets.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's ex- exactly right, and and uh, it is one of the things that I really see all businesses running into now. And some of the, the big traditional businesses are missing the boat because the social is so important now. Whatever it is, if you're if you should be on Facebook or you should be on TikTok or you should be on YouTube and you're not, I mean, you're missing out. Uh, and, and that's one of the things that I think, and, and it could be very, business could be very successful, but mm-hmm. without it, you're slowly losing those, those people that know about you and understand you and will buy from you in the future.
1: Or the flip side, just the opportunity, uh, yeah. opportunity to grow faster.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Well, I want to apologize to the people that were listening because I didn't have the comments on, but we got Mike, Mike Asherbranners on. We got Jody Lamb is on here. Thanks for being here today, um, Deb Curtis. Hey Deb, saw that she's talking about Mike's kids. Knows some of these people are obviously know each other. And then, oh, the yeah Deb talking about sk- Wisconsin. You know the ice. Oh, Wisconsin that's where park. I grew
1: up, Deb. Uh, I grew up skiing on a, what my dad calls Mount Ausblick, uh, Ausblick Ski Club, and uh, I still make it up there once a uh, once or twice a winter to ski around on the ice on an old garbage dump.
0: There you go. Good stuff. Well, that's in the, in that part of the, in that part of the U S you've got to be innovative to ski. That's for sure. Absolutely. You can sit inside all winter. Or you can go outside and enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Brian, this has been awesome talking to you because I mean, you guys are making social media work for so many different companies. Um, If there's one thing that we could leave people with today that you would say, think about this with social media and your business, what would it be?
1: Are you truly maximizing the channel? Are you truly maximizing the opportunity? I think there's a lot of businesses out there that could grow faster with social. And I think there's a lot of businesses that fall into the harvesting demand camp. They love their Google ads because someone types in "I want a box of Kleenex" and they buy the box of Kleenex. Well, that's great. But you just paid Google to possibly uh, sell a product to someone that they would have bought on their own by going to your Amazon site, or you know, just coming right through your website or clicking on an email. But on social, you can truly generate new demand for your product. Someone could wake up in the, the hoodie I'm wearing. Actually, this is a funny story. I walked in to see my brother last week and he said, coastal crew. Like, yep, they got me on the Instagram ads and he's like exact same thing. I had never heard of this business. I would have never gone to go find this specific hoodie and they got in my feed. I clicked on it and they retargeted me till one moment I was weak on the couch at late at night and I bought it. And that's just a perfect exam explanation and uh, case study of demand generation
0: that is thank you for sharing that, because I had not thought of it like that, but you're right. Google is just bringing somebody that already wants a product just like yours to you. But with social, you're bringing someone that may not even know about your product to you.
1: And the fastest growing ad platforms are Amazon, Target, all these new ad platforms within e-commerce sites. So all you really have are brands fighting each other to jump in front of each other to the front of the line. Well, that becomes expensive. Yeah. But if you acquire that person on social and truly build a following in a relationship with that business or that, I'm sorry, that person, that's uh-huh. how you can really build a brand.
0: Yeah. We're just gonna have to take a moment of silence for this. <laughs> Because man, that's awesome. I mean, the there's cause there's so many people that you know for years it was the Google train. Mm-hmm. It was,
1: you know, it's back still, it's you still a good train. It's still a yeah. good train.
0: But yeah. these channels, these
1: channels all work together.
0: Mm-hmm. They do. They do. It's one piece of it anymore. And like you said, driving new demand through social, building a, a direct relationship with someone that might be interested in your product or services someday is 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 a way to do it. To generate new demand. That is cool. That is cool. Well, Brian, thanks so much for being here, man. I appreciate you stopping by. I really think you guys are doing something special there at Match Node. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Hopefully, people got something out of today.
0: Yeah, I'm sure they did, man. I really enjoyed it. So I want to thank Mike and Deb and Ashif, and we had Jody for being here today. We'll be back again later. Brian, just hang out for a moment and we'll talk.